Welcome back to the God Revelation podcast, where we take a verse by verse, chapter by chapter look at God's word and the book of Revelation, where we believe and teach Revelation 1 3, which says, Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it for the time is near. So our most high God has said in his word that if you read and even hear the words from the book of Revelation that you are blessed. And that's one of the reasons why we are doing this podcast, because I believe that the book of Revelation is probably one of the most overlooked books of the Bible, while at the same time, our God has said, you're blessed if you read the book. So we want to study this book. We want to know what's in it. We want to understand it. And more so, we want to clarify what this book is about. Oftentimes, the book of Revelation, I believe, gets a bad name uh, because of the doom and gloom that it talks about. But all that leads up to the thing that Revelation 1 3 says that is near and that is the glorious return of our Lord and Savior Jesus. All those things are leading up that we talk about or we're going to be talking about in the book of Revelation and has talked about all that is leading up to the return of Jesus to this earth for the second time and establishing his kingdom that will last forever and having the world. When he comes back and establishing the world that we all want now, but we can't get it now. We can't have peace. We're not going to have a world where no one's getting sick, where no one is dying. No one is stealing. Everybody's getting along. That's not going to happen until our Lord and Savior Jesus returns to this earth. And he's returning to this earth because he said he's going to return to this earth. So he's coming. But things there are certain things that have to transpire prior to him coming to this earth for a second time. And he tells us, he gives a, a glimpse, a look into the future about those things that have to take place before he comes. And then he comes and then the book talks about what's going to happen after he comes. And so we're going to get to that, but that's where we are. And that's why we study this book. And we're currently in chapter 12. So we're going to finish, we're going to do and, and finish Chapter 12 and 12 in this episode and this episode will be the last episode for this year. We're taking off the remaining month of December and we will pick back up in chapter 13. If the Lord says the same, the latter part of January or early part of February 2023. So I encourage you to um, rejoin us during that time and continue, continue to listen to the podcast. And before we get deeper into or start, even start chapter 12, I would like to remind you that if you missed any past episodes and you want to know where to find future episodes, you can always find them to listen to them at your leisure. You can download them and you can on your phone or on your laptop or your tablet, or you can listen or stream them from the website of Renew Your Mind Ministries.org, or you can find past and future episode episodes on any podcasting streaming platform such as Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can tell your smart speaker like Alexa to play uh, the podcast. So I, as I always like to rem do, remind you to um, check out any past episodes. And when you go to our website or you go to uh, any of these podcasting platforms, there's a description of the various episodes. So if you want to look at a particular uh, verse or group of verses, excuse me, or a particular chapter, you can stroll through the episodes and find out what that particular chapter is about. And you can listen to it and get caught up. And as I always like to do, share the podcast with others. Share this podcast along with our other two podcasts. That's the Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God podcast, as well as the Holy Spirit podcast, share it with someone. If you're being fed by the Word of God through these various podcasts, share that with others. Think about how often we share other things with people. You know, a good movie we've seen, a good song, a good restaurant. 
But think about the last time you actually talked to someone or shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone. Now, think about the priority of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone and telling them about a movie you saw or a song you listened to or a restaurant you went to and had a good experience. In your list of priorities, which one would be more important? Telling them about something, Jesus Christ, that ultimately may, if they believe and confess, opening them up to having everlasting life. Or if they're already believers, just getting a deeper understanding of the things of God, particularly when it comes to things that we're talking about in the, in the book of Revelation. So tell others about the program. Doesn't cost anything. Doesn't cost anything to listen to it. Doesn't cost anything to download them. And it doesn't cost you anything to tell someone else about the program. So I encourage you to do so. All right. So uh, let's get into chapter 12. But before we get into chapter 12, let's do a brief recap of chapter 11. In chapter 11, as you may remember, if you listen to the last episode and if you missed the last episode, go back and listen to it. We uh, chapter 11 is a continuation of the break between the six and seven judgments that started in chapter 10. We also saw in chapter 11, we're introduced to these two witnesses. God has sins during the, um, the tribulation to tell the tribulation world to repent and come to God because people are still going to be saved during that time. Now the church would have been raptured, but the Holy spirit and God is still going to be operating in the tribulation period, period, giving people an opportunity to, to believe and confess Jesus Christ as their savior. So these two witnesses will be calling out to the tribulation world to do that for three years. And during that three years, no one will be able to touch him. No one better kill them. No one will be able to do anything to them. Because God is going to protect them until they finish their mission. Matter of fact, they will be able to call down plagues during this time to get people attention. And so people are really going to be upset with these two witnesses. And ultimately, once they complete their mission that God has sent them on for three years, and we don't know who these two witnesses are. We talked about there's Bible, many Bible scholars speculate it could be Elijah or Enoch. Some say Moses, but whomever they are, they will come, be sent by God, and they will be here on this earth during the tribulation period for the latter three years. And they would not be able to be touched, killed until they have completed that mission. And then a beast from the bottomless pit will kill them, but they will not remain dead. Unlike the rapture of the church that will start the kickoff, that will kick off the tribulation the seven years of tribulation when these two witnesses are killed the whole world according to chapter 11 the word of god the whole world is going to see them dead in, in the streets for, and their body's going to lay in the street for three year, three days people are going to be so excited that they that these two witnesses were killed that they're going to exchange gifts like we do at interesting enough christmas time but instead of celebrating and exchanging gifts to celebrate the birth of our lord and savior jesus Think about this. They're going to be exchanging gifts because someone is dead. Two individuals have died and just laying their bodies laying in the streets. People are going to be celebrating that much. That's how they're going to celebrate these two individuals being killed. But God, as always, will have the last word. And just like they saw them killed and saw them dead in the street, the whole world via via television, the Internet, cell phones will see them come back to life because God is going to breathe life into them and take them up into heaven. So unlike the rapture where one day, one minute you're here and the next second you're gone, these the the human beings are still on this earth that have would have survived all the the plagues that would have gone forth by this time. will see these individuals resurrected to life and taken up to heaven and it's going to blow their mind. But what it's not going to do is going ultimately, unfortunately, and unfortunately, even through all these things that these individuals will be witnessing and experiencing that they've never experienced before. And even though they, most of them will recognize it's from God, they won't come to God. They won't repent and come to God and confess Jesus Christ, their savior. They just won't do it. That's the shocking thing about an unregenerated, an unregenerated human heart. When it's hardened like a cold stone, it's capable of anything. Mind-blowing things that you would think after seeing 
and experiencing the things that's going to be going on during that time. Seeing these two witnesses killed, bodies laid in the streets for three days, being resurrected back to life and ascending into heaven, but yet still, even though you're amazed, they still won't repent and turn to God. Many. And that's a sad thing. Many will and many, many, unfortunately, will not. So that's chapter 11. So we're going to pick up in chapter 12. But before we do so, let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being our great God. You are our great God. You are the God. You're the only God, the true God, the living God. And we worship you and we praise you. And we thank you for this opportunity to study your holy word in your book of Revelation, Father God, that you have shown us the things that must come to pass before your son, your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, returns to this earth. And we thank you that he's going to return. We thank you that you sent him the first time to fulfill the law and to die for our sins. We thank you for that. We praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for obeying the Father even unto death, allowing your holy, precious, godly, righteous, sinless blood to be spilled for our sins for our lives. We thank you. We praise and we worship you. And so, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you would open up our eyes, our ears, our minds, and our hearts to better receive and understand your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy name, we give thanks and honor. Amen and amen. And if you have not already done so, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible or your Bible app and turn to the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the New Testament. And go to chapter 11. Interesting enough, because before we get into chapter 12, we need to go back and look at that last verse of chapter 11, because really chapter 12 starts us off. John, the author of the book of Revelation, one of the original 12 disciples who wrote this book, when he wrote this book, he did not write it with chapters and verse numbers and all that. That will come centuries later to help us understand the Bible. So when they broke the Bible down into chapters, they made uh, stops that should not necessarily be stops because it disturbs the flow of the really what's a letter. And so the reason why we're going back to chapter 11 and looking at that last verse, because really that last verse is talking about Israel, which John is now chapter 12 tells about what's going to be going on with Israel, the nation of Israel during this tribulation. And so really that starts that section uh, of John telling us what God revealed to him, what's going to be going on in with the nation of Israel. It really starts with revelation chapter 11, verse 19. So that's why I'm asking you to turn to that. And then we're going to flow from that verse to chapter 12, verse one, but really chapter 11, verse 19 starts this introduction to John, the writer of this book, telling us what God revealed to him, what's going to be going on with Israel. So if you would, if you have not already done so, I would ask that you open up your book or your Bible and your or your Bible app to first Revelation eleven nineteen, which says, then God's temple in heaven was open and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, Pearls of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. So, verse 11 and 19 is really transitioning us to John talking about Israel. And the reason why I say verse 19 is a part of that transition is because when he says, God's temple in heaven was open, and within the temple was a scene, the ark of the covenant. That deals with the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, the Israel. God established a covenant with Israel. Abraham. And so this Ark of Covenant is that shows us that John is now moving to talking about what's going on with Israel. And so that's why the temple and the Ark is a picture of Israel. So that's really the beginning of introducing what we're going to talk about in chapter 12. So that's I wanted to point that to you. Because if you read chapter 11 and all the things that go on in chapter 11 and then end with verse number 19, it doesn't seem to jail. And that's why. But if you read verse 19 of chapter 11, and then you go into chapter 12, then you see how chapter 19, excuse me, verse 19 is really a part of chapter 12. So that's what I wanted to point it out, that when John is talking about what he's seeing about the temple and the covenant, he's 
letting us know that he's now talking about Israel. All right. So now let's look at verse number. And before we go to verse number 12, let me put in context where we are in the seven year tribulation. Chapters 12 through 19 is really a rerun of the tribulation hours of what we saw in chapters six through 11. (laughs) Most Bible scholars think that. So in other words, there's two thoughts on this, that what we're going to talk about now, we are really on that third woe is that it's either the two theories are this, what we're talking about now in these chapters 12 through 13 is a chronological continuation of the tribulation or what John did is laid out certain things in chapters 12 through 19 of what's going to be taking place in the tribulation. And then he comes back and excuse me, John lays out what he saw and chapters six through 11, what's going to be going on in tribulation in the tribulation, then come back in 12 through 19. And the same things that's going to be described in chapters 12 through 19 are pretty much going to be happening right around the same time. Those things and plagues and bowls and all that, that happened in chapters six through 11. So that's where we are in the tribulation. So what we're really talking about is this point in the tribulation is the middle part. And because we're dealing with Israel, what we're going to see during this time that the world's worst anti-Semitism that the world has ever seen is going to be happening during this time of the tribulation because Satan is going to be mad because Jesus, Jesus is Jewish. He came in the flesh through the line of Jews, particularly King David. So Jesus is Jewish and Satan knows this. That's why Satan has persecuted the Jews throughout history because he was trying to snuff out Jesus, make sure he never came. And we're going to see in this part, once he's in chapter 12, we're going to see Satan cast from the heavens to the earth. He's really going to be mad at him then because he know his time is limited and he's going to start persecuting Israel. So that's why I say we're going to see the world is going to see the worst anti-Semitism is ever seen because Satan is going to be on a rampage and he's going to be going after Israel. He's going to come against them in all ways. And so we're going to see a lot of persecution of the Jewish people during this time. But God has their back and we're going to see this in chapter 12, um, how that plays out. So that's where we are to set up before we look at exactly chapter 12, verse one. So if you've not already done so, let's go to chapter 12 now, verse one, which says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her foot or feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. This woman picture Israel, because again, when you go back to Revelation 11, 19, when he start, when John started talking about uh, what he's seeing in the temple, covenant in the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, those things picture Israel. And so this woman picture Israel and And the reason, another reason why we say that is if you look at Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 through 11, which says, and this is referring to Joseph's dream. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars would was bowing down to me. And that's representing Israel because the 11 stars are his 11 brothers. Joseph would be the 12th. So when we see verse 11, when it says the 12 stars, that's representative of of Israel, because out of Jacob, the 12, his 12 sons of Jacob represent the 12 tribes, which represent Israel. So that's why I say um, most Bible scholars believe that in chapter 12, this woman is representative of Israel. All right. And the sun and the moon in this verse represent Joseph father and mother. That's Jacob also named Israel. Remember if you, or you may remember, you may, may know this, or you may not know this, that Jacob was renamed by God to Israel. And again, his 12 sons became the 12 became Israel. And the mother naturally is Rachel and Joseph brothers were the 11 stars And again, with Joseph, that's the 12 in verse number one of chapter 12. The crown on the woman's head most likely signify that Jesus' future kingdom was center in Israel. 
All right, moving on to the next verse, Revelation 12, 2. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. This statement is a clear reference to Jesus because, again, Jesus is Jewish from the line of David. So this woman, Israel, cried out in pain as she was about to give birth, meaning this is symbolic of Jesus coming out of the nation of Israel. And we can look at Isaiah chapter 66, verse 7, which predicts, The woman, referring to Israel, would deliver a son before her pain came upon her. And Isaiah predicted that Jesus would come out of the lineage of Israel. All right. Let's move on to verse number three of the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. John saw another sign appear in heaven because, again, he saw this woman in heaven. This sign this is symbolic, again, of Israel. So this red dragon, this enormous red dragon in verse three is Satan. It's the devil. So he saw Satan and his color represent his murderous past and purpose. The seven heads represent the empires that persecuted Israel through its history, like Egypt. Assyria, Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, and Rome. The ten horns represent the ten nations that came out of the old Roman Empire that will be ruled by the Antichrist during this time and will be persecuting Israel. And stick with us because all this is going to be fleshed out. And then the seven crowns represent the fact that Satan will control specifically seven of these countries as part of the ten nation that comes out of the old Roman Empire, now European Union, or the European Union, that Satan will galvanize to start persecuting Israel like never before in history. Moving on to verse number four of Revelation chapter 12. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. This verse tells us about the original rebellion of Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whatever you want to call him, against God. And at that time, one third of the angels, also referred to in God's word as stars, joined Lucifer and they were defeated. So John is now telling us about this rebellion, about how Lucifer ultimately was kicked out of heaven along with a third of the angels who cast their lots with Satan were defeated and ultimately thrown out of heaven. In the midst of the tribulation, Satan will lose access to heaven and is flung to earth. So in other words, when Satan, because you may be confused about, well, I thought Satan when he originally, um, when when the rebellion originally happened, he was thrown out of heaven. He was thrown out of the third heaven to the first and second heaven. That's why he's called the prince of the air. So there's different levels of heaven and Satan was thrown out the level where God reside, but the first, which is the third heaven, but the second and first heaven he resides. But when this happened, what we're going to see during this third part of the tribulation, or excuse me, in the, in the midst of the tribulation, he's going to be thrown him and his other demonic cohorts will be thrown from the first or second heaven and they will actually be on the earth. And that's when things are going to get crazy. So that's what we've seen John tell us about here. All right, let's move on to, and the child he's trying to destroy was Jesus. Satan know who Jesus is. And he's trying, he has from the very beginning have tried to prevent his birth He's tried to stop Jesus, but we know that that's not going to happen. But that's been his M.O. from the very beginning. All right, let's move on to verse number five. She gave birth to a son, Jesus, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman, again, is symbolic of the nation of Israel. And this verse is an obvious reference to Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 prophesied that this child will bear the government on his shoulder. 
and there will be no end to his government and peace. He will rule with justice and righteousness from the throne of David. So again, we see in the book of Isaiah corroborating the, what we're reading in the book of Revelation. And let, before we go any further, let me say this. While the book of Revelation is a book of prophecy, it's not the only book that's of the Bible that speak about prophecy. You have the book of Isaiah, you have prophetic books. We have throughout the book of, of the Bible, there are prophecy that talks about the end times, just like revelation, but not as in detail. And so you can take other parts of the Bible, like Isaiah and line them up and see why we're saying these things are representative of whatever we say they're representative of because there are other verses that plays that out. And so we see in Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven, where it talks about that this child, which is Jesus, would bear the government. And so that's related to number verse number five of chapter 12 that says she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule over the nations with an iron scepter. That's Jesus, which Isaiah prophesied about in chapter nine. Satan efforts to destroy, to destroy Jesus, the Messiah, has failed and is going to fail. Jesus cannot be stopped. Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. John testifies here that the woman's child was caught up to God and to his throne, reflecting an event that has already occurred. So in other words, John is saying that Jesus effort, excuse me, Satan's effort to destroy Jesus failed because he came, he was born, even though they tried to snuff his life out and his lineage out. That's what it was all about when they was, when they was killing the babies in Moses, when Herod wanted, when he heard about Jesus and sent him to be killed. And they always talking about these first males and these males being killed. That's what Satan planned all along to snuff out the life of Jesus. But it didn't work. Not only did it not, it did not snuff out the life of Jesus. He was born. He came and fulfilled the laws he was required to do in and he was um, crucified and he was resurrected. So when that verse that talks about in verse number five and the child was snatched up to God into his throne, that's talking about his ascension to heaven after his death, burial, and then ultimately his resurrection. So that's what this is referring to. And that's why we're saying the woman represent Israel and the child is referring to Jesus all right, moving on to verse number six. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. We see here that the, the hatred and violence toward Israel be so intense during this time, during this part of the tribulation, that the Jewish people will have to flee into the wilderness and be protected there by God Almighty himself. For the latter half of tribulation, that's the only way most of them are going to survive. They're going to have to go into the wilderness and be protected and be provided for by God himself, like he's always done for them. Because you think about when he brought them out of Egypt and he sustained them in the wilderness for 40 years and throughout their history when they had enemies on all sides and God through God, they were able to conquer them and be a nation until they started being rebellious and sinning. Then God had to kick them out of the Holy Land. But even now, it's the grace of God that's preventing Israel who's surrounded on all sides by the Israel, by their enemies. But yet they're still alive. They're still there. But during this time when Satan is on the earth and he's on a rampage because he knows his time is limited before he's going to be um, forever defeated by Jesus. And he's mad at the nation of Israel because they produced Jesus Christ. The anti-Semitism is going to be off the chart. And only way many of them are going to survive is because they're going to go into the wilderness. They're going to flee. And God is going to protect them from this violence and hatred. For 1,260 days, which is the latter half, three years, the latter half of the tribulation. Moving on to verse number, we're going to take verse number seven, eight, and nine uh, together to keep it in context. And it makes sense uh, that way. So let's read verse seven, eight, and nine, which says, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads 
the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. In these verses, we read about a war that breaks out in heaven. Michael, who's an angel, the Bible actually referred to him as an archangel, and his angels, other angels, fight against Satan and the angels that join Satan in their rebellion against God. Michael and his angels won the war. And according to these verses, there was no longer any place in heaven for Satan and his angels. And the instance described here, Satan and his followers are thrown to the earth from the first and second heaven. Remember, the Bible referred to him as the prince of the power of the air. That's where he reside and operate. So he no longer now would have access to heaven. Now he's on the earth and he's going to go into a rampage against the Jewish people. So that's what we see in verses seven, eight and nine. God showed all these things to John and now John has put them in a book. And here we are over 2000 years later studying them so we can know by the mercy and grace of God. He's blessed us with this information so we can know it and tell others, because as a believer, it's good to know these things are going to be happening. But it's even better to know we won't be here to experience any of these things. And that's why we need to share this information. We need to share God's word with others, because if they're not believers already, that they may come to repentance and come to have faith and confess faith in Jesus Christ so they won't have to go through it either. That's why we need to be sharing this podcast and the word of God with non-believers, believers and non-believers alike, because it's it's good for us. It can lead to salvation. It can lead to e- eternal life with our great God. However, on the other hand, by not people not hearing the word of God, and not having an opportunity, not being able to come to Jesus because they had never heard about him, because we hadn't talking to them about Jesus. And if they don't come to salvation, ultimately would die lost and would be eternally damned. And we don't want that. God don't want that. But people will. People will make that decision, but what we're supposed to do is tell them about Jesus, tell them about his word and let him do the rest. And we must ask ourselves, as I said at the beginning of the episode, when was the last time you told anybody about Jesus? Just a thought. All right. Moving on to verse number 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. And the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So in verse 10, heaven cheers when Satan and his angels are thrown from heaven. A loud voice from heaven proclaimed the fact that the accuser, that's Satan, of the believers have been cast out because that's Satan's job to accuse us before the father day and night all day. See God, see what they're doing. They don't love you. They're in rebellion, so forth and so on. That's what his job is. And he's on his job. But as a believer, God rebuffs those accusations because as a believer, when we accept Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, only thing he sees is the blood of his son that has wiped away all our sins so he can accuse all day and night. God is not hearing it. God is not going to hold our sins against us. But that's what he's doing. He's accusing us before the Father day and night. The voice acknowledges that the accuser points out believers' faults and sins around the clock. Now he's cast out of heaven in God and Christ are exalted. Did you know that the devil, the word devil actually means slanderer and Satan mean accuser? He's a slanderer of the brethren. But once he's thrown out of heaven, all that was stopped. But his rampage against mankind on the earth and specifically the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, is going to intensify like never before, like anything in history, even beyond the Holocaust. All right, let's move on to verse number 11 of Revelation chapter 12. They triumph. They were triumphant over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This verse 
focuses on believers on earth during the second half of the tribulation because Satan's going to be casted out from heaven onto the earth. And this verse tells us that those believers are going to triumph, have victory over Satan by the blood of Jesus, just like all believers. And by the word of their testimony. For they love their lives so much as to shrink from death, meaning that many people will be killed during this time because of their confession of Jesus Christ. Because, again, Satan is going to control is going to be he's already in control of this world system, but he's really going to be control of the earth, especially when he wants he's going to be on the earth from the heavens. And those who are professing. Christ and the Jews are going to be killed. Many will be killed. That's why it says in this verse, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death because they know at this time, everybody's going to know what's going to be going on. Everybody's going to know that it's going to be illegal to be a Christian. And the death penalty will be the sentence for those who confess him. And so those doing doing this time who are confessing Jesus, they're going to know that the penalty, if anybody find out and people are going to find out that they, they could be arrested, will be arrested and be put to death. That's what's going to be going on during this time. But they will have victory because of the lamb, because they're going to have eternal life with God, because they died for their faith in Jesus. That's what this verse is talking about. Let's move on to verse number 12. Therefore rejoice. You heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he know that his time is short. The devil's defeat and expulsion for heaven was an occasion for great joy. However, this verse tells us that the voice also pronounced the woe to the earth and the sea because the devil was now what now confined to the earth. And at this point in time, Satan knows he only has one thousand two hundred and sixty days, roughly three years, the second half of the tribulation to vent his fury. That's when that's why. The great anti-Semitic purge and the killing of Christians will be intensified and so intense during this time. That's why I says woe to the earth and the sea, because he's actually going to be on this planet. And he's going to be mad and he knows his time is short, so he's going to try to do as much damage as he can. All right, let's move on to verse number 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Going back to the him pursuing Israel, because he know from the flesh lineage or the blood lineage, Jesus came out of Israel, the Jews. So he's hate the Jews. He's always hated the Jews and he's persecuting them even in even more intently during this time period. Angered by his expulsion from heaven, the, the devil pours out his wrath on the woman who gave birth to the child. That's Israel, who, who Jesus came out of. In other, in other words, he relentlessly persecute Israel. And actually, he's going to attack Israel. He's going to set up uh, uh, himself as God in their temple. A lot is going to be going on. He hates Israel because Israel was an instrument in which God, the Father, brought Jesus the Messiah into the world through the Jewish lineage. All right, let's move on to verse number 14. The woman was given the, was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time and time and a half a time out of the serpent's reach. God protects the Jews for the latter parts of the tribulation. The use of wings here as a reference is a reference to protection. If you read Deuteronomy 32, 11 through 12 and Exodus 19 and 14, it talks about wings of protection. So this uh, figurative language of wings we don't believe is the people actually will fly but that's a sign when, it, when they use the word wings it's symbolic of it's going to happen through 
the protection of God for his people. All right, verses number 15. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the tarrant. The serpent's action in this verse may be taken literally or symbolically. More likely, the flood represent the invading forces of the king of the north um, that many Bible scholars believe would be Russia. So in other words, what's, and we're going to get into more detail of that in, in the chapter is going to come. Satan and the Antichrist is going to bring a large army. He's going to attack, physically attack, make wage war against Israel. Many people, because they say they're going to come from the north, many people believe that's, that's going to be Russia, but the Bible didn't tell us that. And, but going back to uh, who nation, what nation is going to be. But there's going to be a physical warfare attack on Israel. And verse 15, when it talks about uh, this river, many Bible scholars believe that's symbolic of soldiers, an army, that the, 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 the armies of the worlds of the nation that this Antichrist and Satan would be using to attack. That's what he's referring to here, not literally water. Um, and we see that, and we kind of get a hint of that from Isaiah. We look at Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, which says, Show, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. So we see in that verse when it talks about the enemy coming like a flood. So that's going back to why many Bible, Bible scholars believe that this reference to a flood is really talking about um, armies and not an actual literal flood. All right, moving on to verse number uh, 16, which says, But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Satan's latest attempt to destroy Israel is described by a flood coming from the serpent's mouth. According to this verse, the serpent's attempt to sweep away the woman, that's Israel, fails because God helps her. How does he help her? This river, if it's an army intent on invading and destroying Israel, God opens up the earth to swallow the river or the army. Um, it may be earthquake or something happened in the earth actually physically literally opens up and the army perish by going in, by being swallowed up by, uh, the earth. So that's how that, how Satan's army will be destroyed. Who's trying to destroy Israel, a natural phenomenon caused by God is going to destroy them. All right, moving on to verse number 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Satan, furious that his attack on Israel has failed, he turns his attention to the believing remnant. These devout believers obey God's word and hold to the testimony of Jesus. This description of the rest of the woman's offspring, that's Israel, clearly identify believers in Jesus. They may be a group of Jews or possibly also Gentiles who welcome the message of the 144,000 who are going to be evangelizing the world that we talked about in chapter seven. So in other words, once his failed attempt to destroy through war, the nation of Israel, he's really angry. And so he's now going to turn his attention to those believing Jews that's not in this, in the wilderness or in the world and probably confessing Gentiles that probably came to faith through the evangelizing and the testimony and the ministry of these 144,000 Jews that had the seal on them that God had ordained to preach throughout the world to come to repentance and come to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And many, thank God, will. Millions will. And so he's going to turn his attention to persecuting and killing these people for professing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All right. So that's the end of chapter 12. And we will pick up 
on in next year, chapter 13. I pray that you stay tuned and pick the podcast up as we resume chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for this opportunity just to study your word. We thank you for every listener, Father God. We thank you. We lift them up to interceding on their behalf for their needs, Father, as we all have needs. But our biggest need is you and your son, Jesus. And we thank you that you have sent him to die for our sins. We thank you that we can confess him and not have to worry about what's, even though you want us to understand what's going on in Revelation, but we won't be there to see these parts of it. We will be there to experience the glory and the joy and the peace of the latter part once your son, Jesus Christ, come back and establish his kingdom. So we just thank you for this, for your word. We thank you for you. We thank you for safety uh, over the holidays, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We just thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Holy Word. We thank you for this podcast. We just thank you, Father. You're great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You're glorious. And we just love you and we appreciate you. And all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, if you are listening to this podcast, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, for whatever reason, just was curious about the book of Revelation, just happened to stumble onto this program, and now you feel a longing in your heart to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the time to do so. Now is the time to do so. And so if that's you, if you got a tug in your heart right now, something's going on in your chest, that's Jesus knocking and he wants you to open your heart, open up your life to him. And you can do that right now. And I encourage you to do it right now because the next five seconds is not promised to any of us. Take your opportunity right now to respond to him by saying this prayer. If that's you, boy, girl, sir, madam, do it right now. Say this prayer after me. Father God, I am a sinner. I repent of my sins and I ask you and I confess, I believe, and I confess that Jesus Christ is your only begotten son. That he died for my sins. And that you raised him from the dead because he was perfect. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I put my faith in you for dying for my sins. I ask you to forgive my sins. In your name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you believed it, according to God's word, which is perfect, you're now saved. You're part of a royal priesthood. You're part of his godly family, heir and joint heir with his only begotten son, Jesus, meaning everything Jesus is entitled to, you're entitled to. Having everlasting life in his presence, being a part of his everlasting kingdom, avoiding this judgment that's going to come on this earth during the time of this great tribulation. You were going to avoid all that. You should rejoice. You should rejoice. You should shout. And if you don't feel like those things, don't doubt your salvation, though, because I cannot say this enough. Salvation is not a feeling. It's not. And it's not me saying that's the word of God. You're not going to find anywhere in the Bible where it says feel like you're saved. Feel like you have confessed Jesus Christ and the Lord. It didn't say that. It just doesn't. So don't look for a feeling. Now, you should rejoice because think about what think about what you just did. Think about. What's in store for you. That is a cause. That is something to be excited about. That is something to have joy about. God does. But your salvation is not based upon a feeling. You know, you may have a feeling. Your salvation is not based upon a feeling. So don't get confused about that. But I rejoice for you. I thank God for you. I thank God if you made that decision, you could have not made a better decision. And now was the right time to do it because, hey, as anybody with any kind of sense know, Tomorrow is not promised to us. And you need to know that you know that you know if you should pass, that you should open your eyes, you will be in the presence of your heavenly father. And the only way that can happen is by putting your faith and trust in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins. There's no other way. You can't earn it. 
You can't beg for it. You can't do anything. Only thing is faith, grace, and faith. Grace because it's given to us because we don't deserve it in faith and just sense in the sense in the sense of believing. You can't earn salvation. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing any of us can do that can that was more than the perfect sinless person in Jesus dying for our sins. No one can overcome that. No one can do more than that. So you can't work your way to salvation. There's no such thing. You just have to believe in our minds and especially in our culture that's so merit-based. Everything is about work, 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 work. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around that God just wants us to believe. But that's what his word says. So I thank God that you have now believed, if that's you. I encourage you to tell someone about your new faith. Being a Christian is not a secret society. I also encourage you to pray to your Heavenly Father, just in general, because as a Christian, as a now professing Christian, none of us know everything. None of us will never know everything. That's why we're commanded to read our Bible, to share it. So I, I would encourage you to, if you have not been reading your Bible, start reading your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, if you're United States, buy a Bible, read your Bible, download a Bible out free, read your Bible. Listen to podcasts like this where you get a better and my other, the other two podcasts and similar podcasts by other people that are really teaching the word of God. That's what this word need worlds need more than anything. We don't need any more TV shows. We don't need any more music. We need the word of God. We need God. I also would encourage you to pray to your heavenly father in general, but also to pray to him specifically about joining a local uh, assembly of believers where you can worship God with them where you can study the word of God with them. And the reason why you need to pray about that, a lot of false churches out there, they say they're Christian, they say the churches, but they're far from it. So we need to be mindful that some churches are a dangerous place to be. So we need to pray to our father, our heavenly father about being led by the power of the Holy spirit to the, a Bible believing, a Bible teaching, a Jesus believing, a Jesus teaching church, not a social club that's calling itself a church. And there's a lot of them out there with a lot of false doctrine. And the only way to discern through that stuff is by praying to our, our Lord and Savior, to praying to our God, to be led to the right place. So I encourage you to do that. All right. I will see you in 2023. I thank you for your time. You could have listened, be listening to other people. I thank you. I don't take it for granted. I pray for you. I think I ask you to pray for me, uh, that God will continue to use me to um, do his work. I need prayer just like everybody else. So I ask you to pray for me and I pray for you and I will see you in 2023 if the Lord's will. Thank you.